So these words come from Acts 24, um, Paul's trial just before Felix. They said, We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple, so we seized him. Part of Paul's reply was, However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. In Acts 11, then, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people, the disciples were called Christians, first at Antioch. just like to pray for Andy as he comes up to bring the word to us. Lord, I pray for Andy as he comes up, that you've been speaking to him and guiding to him as he prepares this message for us, and that we may discover more of you through him. Thank you, Matthias. And uh, good morning. Uh, warm welcome again uh, for, to everyone. And um, as we, as we hit, live in more challenging times and as we uh, face uh, perhaps darker days, uh, what is it that identifies us uh, as a Christian? What identifies us individually and, and together um, as Christians? And I can remember vividly uh, when I was uh, a first a Christian, not wanting anybody to know that I was a Christian. It was such a, a new thing to me. Um, I, was, uh, I was unsure of myself. I was unsure how to answer people's questions. Um, and therefore, I used to find it quite a challenge um, to, the, to the extent that I can remember uh, going to church with my Bible and hiding it under my jacket. So just in case I bumped into somebody that I might know. Um, and that was, that was my reality for um, uh, a year or so. Uh, I would say I can remember controversial subjects coming up in discussion and thinking, I don't want to get involved in this. I just want to stay out of this discussion and this debate. Um, thinking I don't want to get involved with, I don't have detailed answers to the questions people have, so I'm just going to stay away from it. But I moved on from that over the next few years. God challenged me in a whole number of ways. And... Uh, I can remember age 22, uh, now uh, I was a classmate at university. There was two guys, one was really cool and uh, um, great guy, nice guy, did everything uh, that you might think. And the other guy was, he was not quite as cool, but he was a Christian. Um, and he was a bit awkward with it as well. And uh, they're in this debate, they're in this discussion together. Um, I think it was, it was around something like sex before marriage. And, and this guy's taken a very brave stance on it with this Mr. Cool. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, back a day, I'd have gone with this guy and just piled into him. But now I'm a, I'm a Christian myself. So I then stood in and stood in the gap and I started to support this guy um, and get involved in this discussion uh, and, this dis and this debate. And uh, through that, I sort of began to learn uh, a little bit more about the courage of Christian faith. Um, even though most of us don't like conflicts, we want to avoid conflicts, but actually it always somewhere it involves uh, an element uh, of that. And when anybody's worldview is challenged, then they tend to react to it. They tend to lash out because it threatens, it challenges uh, their lifestyle. Sometimes that's just an inward attitude towards people. Sometimes it's verbal. Sometimes it gets physical, um, even around the world uh, today. But what is it that identifies us as Christian? Uh, one of the symbols of Christianity that uh, many will be familiar with is the cross, um, probably one of the most famous symbols uh, across our world. 
But the early church didn't use that symbol very much. They talked about it a lot. They, they talked about the death and the resurrection message, um, but they didn't, it doesn't appear that they depicted it much in their, in their art forms uh, around because it was an image of torture and execution. And the cities where they were as, as early Christians, it was still an element of torture. There were still crucifixion sites uh, that were commonly used on a daily basis in the places where they, where they were. Uh, many members of the early church, um, in fact, followed Jesus himself and ended up being uh, crucified uh, themselves. So perhaps that's why the very, early, the very, very early Christian church used different images. Um, for example, the, the image of the anchor um, which was uh, an image of security. It's an image of, of hope uh, in future existence. Um, and also this image uh, of a fish uh, that people used. And uh, um, the idea with the fish, which many of you will be familiar with, is it comes from the Greek word for fish, which is ichthus, which is the iota, the chi, the theta, the upsilon, and the sigma. And uh, it stands as a mnemonic for Jesus Christ, God's Son, Saviour. And uh, the little symbol there is actually the, the I and the, the chi and the theta and the, the upsilon, the Y, all put together like the wagon wheel, which was another uh, thing they used because that was their, the future. That was their faith in what it was. So it was more of a kind of secret symbol. Um, I'll come to that in a minute. And uh, they used doves uh, and all sorts of other images as well. But the first person to ever draw a picture of Jesus on a cross um, was not a Christian at all. Um, it was somebody who wanted to mock Christians. So this is an image that was kind of crudely drawn on, uh, in a Roman building uh, around about the second century. Um, it was found in some plaster in Rome, and it shows a picture of a man being crucified. Um, and weirdly, the crucifixion victim has this donkey's head uh, on it. Uh, below, uh, to the left, um, is a boy seeming to raise his hand uh, in worship of this strange creature. And underneath, the artist has written in Greek, um, Aleximenos Sebete Theon, uh, which means Aleximenos worships his God. Uh, so it's quite a childish drawing. It is probably schoolboy graffiti. So the place where it was found, uh, uh, the emperor uh, Calig Caligula had used it as a palace and then it got converted into a boarding school uh, for imperial page boys. Um, and so it was school children, um, school boys uh, that were in there. And so you can imagine how this picture could have originated. So there's this boy at school called Aleximenos. Um, I've got an Alex myself, so I can, I can relate to this. Um, but there was something different about this lad. There was something that caused his schoolmates to taunt him and to basically bully him and to draw pictures that would mock him on the wall uh, in the dormitory or in the classroom, wherever it was. And um, the donkey's head is obviously uh, an image of ridicule, uh, even today. You know, the ass, the fool, the whatever, the donkey, we still use the words. And crucifixion was also an insult as well because right up to the fourth century, it was still being used as a, as a form of torture and punishment um, in, in, in society. So Aleximenos seemed weird to the others because Aleximenos was a Christian. Okay? It might not surprise us that the first picture of Jesus on a cross um, is one that is there to insult people, is there to, to mock someone, um, because Jesus warned his followers to expect such a reaction. You know, they would be singled out and ridiculed, and they would be called names, he says, on his account, on my account. 
names like Christian. And uh, Acts 11 that uh, uh, Matthias has read to us tells us of the church in Antioch in modern-day Syria. And uh, the church is spreading. It's going further and wider um, beyond Judea, Samaria, and Galilee, Galilee um, as they flee the persecution that's coming upon them in Jerusalem, the hard times that are coming there. So the followers go off to Phoenicia, they go off to Cyprus, and they go off to Antioch. And the church starts to grow, particularly in Antioch, which is, uh, has become a bit of a hub. So much so that Barnabas is sent there from Jerusalem headquarters to go and encourage um, the church there and to oversee things. And so he recruits Paul and the church flourishes. And then we get to verse 26 of Acts 11 where we get this very small but significant piece of history that it was in Antioch, Luke writes, that the disciples were first called Christians. Now, most of us might think, well, that's obvious. Of course they're called Christians. That's, surely that's what they were always called. Um, wasn't it? But the answer is they weren't. So as we looked at some of those other passages this morning, um, they were called by different names. So troublemaker at its basic was what they were known as. The troublemakers from this sect. This, the Nazarenes was another name um, that they had that we read of. Um, there was another word sometimes used, um, ebony or ebonites, which means, just means poor, the poor. And it was just a derogatory term for, for people. Um, also, they were called uh, followers of the way, um, which was the, the lifestyle that they described themselves following. And then in Antioch, we read that they were called Christians. So where did he get this word from? Where did he get this word Christian from? Maybe we just take it for granted. But the people of Antioch were quite a superior people. This was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. So they saw themselves as, as making it uh, in many ways. Um, and they had this uh, kind of reputation for poking fun at people, for putting people down because they saw them as, as, as inferior, and coming up with nicknames for people. So someone in the city is out for a, a drink on a Friday night with his mates, and they're sitting probably in some bar in Antioch, having a bit of Friday night banter, and they come up with this name, Christianos, uh, or the plural is Christiani. And it's a mix of two Greek words. Okay, the... Have we got it? There we go. So the Greek word Christos, which we're familiar with, means anointed one. It's where we get Jesus Christ from. Okay? It's a name that uh, was familiar to all of Jesus' followers. But then they add to it an ending, which makes it an adjective, um, which kind of means that they belong to someone, that they are uh, belonging to someone in the sense that a, there's ownership of a slave. Okay? If that makes sense. So you, you belong to someone, you're owned by someone in that way. But not only that, it's also a pun on another Greek word, krestos. So you've got Christos and you've got krestos. And krestos, which meant good or useful or fit for use, was also given to slaves. It was very commonly given to slaves. Um, in fact, in Luke chapter 6, the word is used um, in verse 35 where it says that we are kind to the unthankful. So somebody's krestos is kind to the ungrateful, to the unthankful. You can imagine, you know, somebody just doesn't care about you, but you're still going to be kind anyway. So it's kind of like a pun on that um, as well. And so they had this superior derogatory attitude of these uh, Christianos that they saw as good little slaves following Christ. Okay, a good little useful slave following Christ. And however ungrateful we are, they'll still be kind to us. 
So it's a put down and it's a, it's a kind of insult to that. And even though it was meant as an insult, it was a name that stuck. And so Peter writes in uh, 1 Peter 4.16, However, if you suffer as a Christianos, okay, do not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of that label, but praise God that you bear that name. Jesus said, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And there's a lot of people in our world who have received this blessing, okay? this blessing of insult and of persecution. Um, Sam is a little boy uh, in uh, the Philippines uh, from, a, from a Muslim background. And uh, at some point in his life, he found a, one of the Gospels of the, the account of Jesus' life on his granddad's bookshelf. And he starts to read this, and uh, he became a Christian. But when his classmates found out, they, they absolutely went to town with him. They threw insults at him. They withdrew their friendships from him. Uh, in fact, the kids started throwing their shoes at him, which is a, a kind of symbol of, of, of insult. They wrote stuff on his uniform. They filled his bag with sand. They bullied him. They punched him. Um, and one of his friends, supposed friends, had yelled at him, you know, you Christians are filthy. You're just garbage. And that's what he was doing. And he wanted to fight back into all of this. But he says, I didn't. He said, I found help in a, in a Bible discipleship group that some folks had put on to encourage him in his faith. And, uh, and he tried to live out the commands of Jesus, you know, to love his enemies, you know, to bless them, not to curse them. Um, and even when he left school, he says, I still think of my old friends from time to time and I pray for them. And when I remember my old friends, he says, my heart breaks because they're lost. They don't, they don't get this. I don't hate them. I pray for them that they would meet my Lord Jesus um, and be changed. And so it's an everyday story. It's a, it's a story that's happening today. It's a story that was happening in second century Rome with Alexamenos, who was pretty much getting the same treatment. What's uh, remarkable is in the next room to that earlier thing, they also found this. And it says, Alexamenos Fidelis, which simply means Alex, Alexamenos the Faithful. And I don't know what it is, but maybe it was another kid in that school who recognized Here's someone who takes a lot of stuff for Jesus, but actually I'm recognizing he is faithful to what he believes. And uh, someone else kind of puts a, a repost up uh, on the wall next door. Um, great challenge to us all. And uh, one of the challenges around the world is, is a lot, a lot of oftentimes is evidence is fabricated against people. Um, and so unfounded accusation. And we've, we've seen it recently in Pakistan, um, with blasphemy laws and people being locked up, Christians being locked up, uh, and even killed. Um, you know, they, they called, in, the word, in, in Urdu, they use the word is, Isai, which is like, Issa is Jesus, and then they add, add a letter onto it. And it, although it sounds very much like Jesus, Christians, it's actually um, a put-down word, and it's a word that's sort of linked to unclean professions, demeaning occupations done by the lowest caste, and often there are very, very vulnerable people um, in countries. And they are very often from the, the kind of poorer socioeconomic parts of society. Um, they're not people who can defend themselves in courts of law. They're not people who are necessarily well educated. Um, and, uh, you know, and Christianity attracts people from 
from the poor and from the difficult and disadvantaged of society, the humble and the weak, because they begin to realize that God loves everyone and they have such a hard time. And many of them do come to faith, um, but uh, they really struggle when uh, they're picked on and victimized um, by others in society. Um, and uh, at the bottom of society's ladder, if you like. But that whole thing of discovering that there's a God who cares about them, there's a, there's a brother and a Lord who, who actually lifts them, he's on their side and speaks into their lives, no matter what s- society status they have. Um, that is good news. And so many, many people come to faith from quite low kind of socioeconomic backgrounds. And this is a powerful message and a dangerous message because it challenges society's ideas of society. It challenges the status quo. It challenges the way the rich and the powerful see the world. And so often they are attacked and they are victimized because it threatens, you know, it threatens a worldview um, uh, that does that. And therefore we should expect reaction. So whenever we do challenge things um, in debate, discussion, in lifestyle, whatever it is, it will um, bring reaction. But we also need to help one another um, to stand firm in that. And uh, there are tools that that we can do. In parts of the world, those tools are simply education and uh, um, uh, literacy projects and employment training so that they find themselves in a slightly more secure place in society. But for each one of us, it's tools so that we can defend our faith, you know, so that we've got answers to give to people. We've got the courage uh, to stand in situations and we're praying for those who persecute us or persecute others and also pray for those and one another that need strength uh, when they find themselves in a place of challenge. You know, we're always inspired by Paul who just incredibly endured so much um, and wrote that he was content with weakness, um, with insult. He was content with hardship, with persecution, with all the calamities that came his way for the sake of Jesus. Um, He says, for wherever I'm weak, then I am strong and depending on God in that. And that is the the history of that little verse of Acts 11, verse 26. The people of Antioch thought they were being witty, they thought they were being clever, they thought they were putting something down. But 2,000 years later, there were more followers of Jesus, more people claiming that Christianos name than ever before and wearing it with the pride that comes uh, with that because we're blessed because of Jesus. And so... They were called Christians at that place in Antioch. There was a guy just around um, with us just for the weekend, friend of uh, one of the kids. And um, he's just looking around our kitchen, which is always <laughs> revealing what's on the walls. And he found this little thing on the fridge. Um, and it's something that we did as a, as a life group a while back, which was you know, how to be a Christian in the workplace. And it just has a little list of practical things um, that you can do. You know, model godly character. Uh, make good work in what you do. Minister grace and love mold culture, you know, be a mouthpiece for truth and justice and be a messenger of the gospel. And uh, so he's, he's reading this and he says, oh, I really like this. It's some really good, I really, you know, tell me a little bit more about this. And he says, can you tell me what, what I've never come across this word gospel. I've got no idea what that word means. So can you explain it to me? You know, what an opportunity um, to do that. Um, but also what a practical way of identifying ourselves as Christians in the everyday. So as we come to, uh, uh, to just a response really in our hearts and in our lives, 
Um, you know, as we prepare for all that is ahead, will we be a proud wearer of the name Christianos? It's easy to sing it in a song. It's easy to say it on a Sunday. But will we be a proud wearer of that name Christianos? Okay, Jesus' good little slave or whatever. A Christian. You know, will you be an Alexamenos Fidelis? Will you be a faithful Alex in your life? And in what ways will you do that? Um, what identifies you as a Christian? Let's pray together. Maybe the band could come up. Father, we come before you this morning and we, we recognize that, uh, that our wicks flicker as was shared from that passage uh, of the parable of the virgins, Lord. Lord, we, we come to you this morning and we, we know we need everything that you have, Lord, to live the life that you call us to. Lord, we, we see some of the things happening around our world. We see, hear some of these stories and we know we would, we would shrink uh, from those situations. But Lord, we humbly come before you this morning and we ask that you fill us afresh, that you strengthen our, our, uh, our courage and that, Lord, that we would be people that would equip and support one another to be better prepared to stand uh, in these days. Whether it's the challenge of, of debate and discussion or whether it's the, the challenge of, of living uh, uh, in our world. Lord, we pray that you would fill us afresh.